0: Here
1: we go.
0: Welcome
1: to the Nine Round Fantasy Football Podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back into the Nine Round. It is Pat and Scott. We're heading into Week Nine. A couple teams going on the bye this week. Detroit Lions. uh, They actually are a little fantasy relevant. Uh, The Seahawks, I think Russ got the pin out. He's getting ready to head back. Unfortunately, those Tampa Bay Buccaneer owners, uh, you got to wait a week to jump on everybody with Brady and the boys and the Washington football team are going to be sitting out this week as well. One thing I know, Pat, we're going to quickly talk about today is Tuesday, the 2nd of November. uh, And uh, today is legit NFL trade deadline by 4 p.m. today. Already saw a few moves in the last day or two. I saw Melvin Ingram went today from Pittsburgh to Kansas City. That probably helped their defense a little bit. We know they need all the help they can get. And and again, I know there's uh, some other names
0: out there you've been following as well, right? Yeah, Von Miller, the big trade to uh, to the Rams. That's that To me, that's the biggest one. It looks like the Rams are really, you know, they went out and got Stafford in the offseason. I think they realized that that was a good trade, that that made their team A serious contender this year, and they just wanted to add another piece. Now you're going to have Aaron Donald and Von Miller on the same defensive line. That's that's going to be sick and scary. But uh, that's a great trade for the Rams. I mean, you know, we're talking a little bit of real football here, and not fantasy football. But I think the Rams—they were already sort of my my favorite to to win the Super Bowl this year, and and they're just sort of making that case a little bit more compelling. Yeah, they are. I mean, once they got Stafford,
1: everybody knew they were all in on the offensive side. And then um, it's kind of funny, too. So Deshaun Jackson's <laughs> trying to get a trade to get out of there. And it's like, well, how bad is it, A, and B? Don't you just want to hang around for the ring? And now you see, yeah, they they just made that move to get Miller and, and just kind of push everything over the edge. I, I mean, it's really just going to be probably either them or Tampa Bay uh,
0: at the end. Yeah, There's no – I don't see anybody else really having a chance. Yeah, agreed. I, I mean, in the NFC – there's, there's a couple of good teams, obviously, Arizona, you know, Green Bay. But when it comes down to it, I think that uh, the Rams are are the class of the NFC this year. And, and you know, barring something catastrophic, they're they're going to probably represent the NFC in the Super Bowl this year.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Give McVay his, his title. And that would be, what, two appearances in the last four or five years for the Rams. So that's, uh, you know, kind of how they've been looking, trending up.
0: And speaking of trades, we a trade we haven't seen yet, but has kind of been the big news in the NFL potential trade of Deshaun Watson to the Miami Dolphins. I know that you and I talked about that a little bit before we started recording. But the, I mean that could be a huge trade. I, I don't think even if the Dolphins get Watson that they're necessarily a contender this year, but that is something moving forward for them that could could be a major piece to to them rebuilding and, and becoming a, a playoff caliber team again we're gonna jump right into the quarterback list ironically
1: and we are going to go to carson wentz now i know some people are like yeah right not after the game he had the other day he threw a couple bad passes absolutely and and he's been known to try to force balls in but uh, again looking at his numbers pretty much I mean, basically all season, it, it was a little bit of a slow start for him, but he's, he's in the top 12 right now in, in our league record, uh, in NFL.com, uh, for quarterbacks. And again, he, he did throw a couple bad picks. Uh, I mean, but that still only gives him three on the season and people could say he lost the game for him. I, I don't know about all that. I mean, you went to overtime and it, it, it wins and losses always seem to fall on the quarterback, but and again, they're not really fantasy relevant. Um, you're looking at what he gives you, and again, he he gives you a lot. Uh, you know, he can have a little issue with ball control between interceptions and fumbles and and things of that nature. But right now, when you look at him compared to some of the other quarterbacks out there, um, again, like a Matt Ryan, a Sam Darnold concussion over the weekend, uh, Jameis Winston's out for the season. He's definitely still a higher up on the food chain right now than a lot of those quarterbacks. And for some reason, people just consider to push him down and, and again that offense is just starting to blossom a little bit. So Carson Wentz is a guy you you definitely want to try to get for a little bye week fill in maybe for you know if you God forbid you had Geno Smith uh filling in for Russ or or anything like that. And obviously Brady's down for this week. Look into look into picking up the Bronco. Carson
0: Wentz get him on your roster. Yeah he's actually had a really good stretch the last five games like you said other than those two turnovers. He's averaging 24 points per game in his last five, and he has two good matchups coming up against the Jets and the Jaguars. So at least for the next few weeks, he's completely viable. Uh, Another guy that you might want to think about picking up, he hasn't really shown his his fantasy uh, ability yet, but uh, Justin Fields from the Chicago Bears had a really good game. He's only Roughly 22% owned. He finally looked comfortable running the offense. Uh, I, I did watch a, a good portion of that game. And uh, he looked like, like he had a little bit better grasp of the offense. I think each week that he plays, he's going to get a little bit more, and more comfortable. He's still you know, a little bit off target on some of his passes. Uh, really doesn't have a great connection with Allen Robinson as of yet. But we finally saw what he was able to do with his legs. He ran for over 100 yards and a touchdown this week. And anybody who saw the, the go-ahead touchdown that he ran where he scrambled to the right and shed a, a tackler and then kind of cut back the other way and went to the left and then kind of up the middle, like he he looked like he was getting comfortable out there on the football field. And I think that, you know, he may be not a guy that you're going to pick up and start right away. but once he gets a little bit more confident and comfortable reading defenses, if he continues to use his legs for that rushing baseline that we love for our fantasy guys, you know, like our Josh Allen's and and Jalen Hurts and and Lamar Jackson and stuff like that, you know, he's got the the athletic ability to be one of those guys with his legs. It's just a matter of can he develop his defensive reading skills and develop that arm talent to to really take him to the next level but I think he's a guy that you can take a shot on if you've got a, a empty roster spot if you if you are streaming quarterbacks he does have a couple of decent matchups coming up that I think you could throw him in there and 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 like I said get those those rushing yards and and hope that he you know just throws a few more on target passes to his wide receivers one other guy that you kind of mentioned uh that we're going to talk about for a second here uh, along similar lines as you know Justin Fields with the, with the legs is Taysom Hill for the New Orleans Saints. Jameis Winston, like you mentioned earlier, tore his ACL. He's going to be out for the year. Taysom Hill was out this week. He was inactive due to a concussion that he sustained back in week five that he's still recovering from. Sean Payton said on Sunday after the game that Hill was progressing well through his concussion protocol and that he does feel like at least may be available to start this week. And I think that if he does, again, just like Fields, Taysom Hill is not, he's not Drew Brees. He's not going to, you know, light you up with his arm, but he does give you that rushing upside. Had quite a few rushing touchdowns last year, uh, was in a, uh, you know, a preseason battle with Jameis Winston for the starting job in New Orleans. So it's not like he was put behind the starter like he was last year with Drew Brees he's a guy who was competing for the job and and from what it sounds like just lost out on it. So I don't, I really don't think it's going to be much of a downgrade to the passing offense. And I mean, the Saints weren't really great passing the ball. Anyway, I think Taysom Hill actually improves the value of Alvin Kamara because now you have another option, somebody to, you know, you have to kind of keep an eye on out of the backfield running the ball. So uh, I think Taysom Hill could be a, a really big upgrade, honestly, for, the Saints offense. I know he's not a traditional quarterback, but if you're looking for a guy who is just going to be able to score you some fantasy points, he's going to do it with his legs and and I think he will surprise, especially once Michael Thomas comes back. I, th- I think he'll surprise you with how much he throws the ball and how well he throws the ball. He's he's not a terrible quarterback. I mean, he's not Tom Brady by any means or anything like that, but um <laughs> he's usable. He's he's not a uh you know, he's not an NFL franchise quarterback, but He's somebody who can get the job done when he's been called upon in the past, true, true,
1: yeah. Uh, you know, like you said, he lost out by, by a hair to to Winston, It was a little bit more of an established UB, and now he's going to have his chance to probably run that team for a few weeks unless something crazy happens. You know, Cam's floating around in the ether, could always pick him up possibly, but uh, I don't know where the Saints feel like they're at, so yeah, Taysom Hill. Uh, is definitely a pickup and, and it gives you that dual threat ability to run with the football and, and be multifaceted in that offense one quick name um i, I know personally i i'm i'm kind of interested to see what happens with him can't overlook the game that mike white had over the weekend leading every single quarterback in our league 405 yards and three touchdowns for the jets in a little pinch hit roll, um, looked a little bit into that. And and I saw where to yeah, hit two turnovers. Uh, one of them led to a score, one didn't. Uh, so if he had kept it clean, it would have been great. Uh, even more of a convincing win. And and at the same time, uh, you know, got knocked out of the game for a couple of plays, came right back in. His college coach talked about how tough he is, and he almost has a Brady-like mentality. You gotta keep bringing up Tom Brady. When you talk about every quarterback now, it's like the Jordan comparisons, but you know to see somebody like that come out for their first game and throw for 405 and and a win against a very strong Cincinnati Bengals team that maybe overlooked them a little bit but uh the jets have been good against the pass and and secondary and and you know some of that was odd numbers but at the same time uh he might be a guy to have on the radar maybe you don't pick him up this week but you know maybe give him another week to see what happens but i, I think he's going to have a couple strong games to try to prove he can play and and That's only better to push Zach Wilson and their franchise forward. So keep Mike White on the radar, not saying you have to grab him right away. If you have the spot on your roster, hey, slap him in there. Might not hurt. Quarterback-wise, I think we're kind of through and and we're on our way to running backs. And uh, some very bad news for the Tennessee Titans and fantasy football owners alike that had a a stronghold of Derrick Henry uh, goes down with a Jones fracture in his foot. That's pretty much going to be the ballgame for him for the season, unfortunately. This is one of the worst nightmares realized to see the number one running back in fantasy football to go down, period. I mean, again, it's horrible for him and and for his career. And hopefully everything bounces back. You look at the workload he's taken. And because of that, I I do want to just mention, you know, uh, I have been a little bit higher this time around on uh, Jeremy McNichols. Uh, I joked around in a sense, not jinxing, but just saying that, hey, look, you know, God forbid something happens the amount of carries, yada, yada. And, and you've seen some intermittent work, some change of pace stuff with him. And, and he's shown he can catch out of the backfield. He gets decent yards per carry. But Tennessee wasn't messing around. They see that this is a, a window of opportunity. And they went out and signed one of the greatest running backs in the history of the NFL. Uh, he's 36 years old, but Adrian Peterson is going to join the Tennessee Titans and to see a player of that caliber that played decent for Detroit last year had a couple great years for Washington and and really hadn't shown that he was still his 26 27 year old Adrian Peterson but was still better than a lot of the running backs in the league. Uh he gets a little bit of a season of rest, probably keeps himself in pretty good shape. I can see him probably jumping in anywhere for maybe 10 to 15 carries and Hey, 10 to 15 carries for in Peterson could be 70 to 100 yards and a touchdown. That's not bad. I mean, again, he might not put up the buck 78 and two touchdowns that Derrick Henry was putting up almost week to week, but I think he's going to be quite serviceable. Yes, you're going to see a downtick, but Tennessee runs the ball regardless. They don't run for high average, even though Henry can get the yard. You look at some of their team averages and it's 2.4, or 3.2. They're just dedicated to running the ball similar to a Cleveland Brown style where They're just going to keep you honest. I feel like this gives a little bit of an uptick to Orion Tannehill in the passing offense because they're obviously going to get a little more involved on the offensive side of the ball. But to me, Adrian Peterson and Jeremy McNichol, I would go Peterson one and McNichol still have him around as far as a pickup. I don't think it's going to be a 50-50 or 60-40. I still see it probably being almost a 70-30, but getting McNichol out of the backfield a little bit more. Yeah, he he's definitely going to be a, a PPR option for you compared to Peterson, who made some plays out of the backfield like that. But I think both running backs are definitely worth a pickup 100%. It's a no-brainer. Peterson, to me, would be the one uh, in that offense, and McNichol a little bit stronger than he was before. I think he's definitely – he shouldn't be leaving anybody's bench at this point. So you got to go out and pick up one of the two Tennessee Titan running backs, Adrian Peterson or Jeremy McNichols.
0: Yeah, I think Peterson is probably a an RB two flex play for the rest of the year and McNichol, depending on game script and honestly, depending on how good Adrian Peterson looks, you know, in his, in his first few games back, we'll get a few more carries than he has, I think he's, he's maxed out at like two carries has been the most he's had in a game, but he does get, like you said, get some targets out of the backfield. I think he is a potential flex option as well, moving forward, another couple of, I guess, nebulous situation at running back um that we kind of saw this weekend was as you mentioned the philadelphia eagles we really pushed picking up and starting kenneth gainwell this week and he sort of disappointed as far as production goes he did get the same amount of carries as boston scott and jordan howard just didn't do as much with them unfortunately did did end the game with more targets than both of those guys but i do think and and hope as an eagles fan that the eagles coaching staff realized that they need to run the ball more and i think and i hope that they will continue to do that moving forward their offensive line is still very good one of the best in the nfl and unfortunately jalen hurts that what we kind of talked about in the preseason with with jalen hurts was his inaccuracy his happy feet in the pocket and how he wants to run the ball A little bit more quickly than your standard pocket passer and i think a way to settle him down a way to keep the defense from sending so much pressure on passing downs is to run the ball more often and we saw boston scott and jordan howard uh both get carries and the eagles win this week uh, versus detroit scott howard and gainwell basically split the carries evenly pretty much three ways. Like I said, Gainwell didn't really have the he had the worst fantasy game of the three. To me the the the, the ranking for picking these players up, these running backs off of the Eagles would be Gainwell one cuz I still think he's going to be their their number one guy. Um I think that Boston Scott is going to get a lot of the early down work and can catch balls out of the backfield. To me I think Jordan Howard is sort of a distant third while he did have a good game you know put in two rushing touchdowns versus the lions the first rushing touchdown it was literally scott the whole drive and then jordan howard sort of came in towards the end as a you know to give these guys like a a blow and and to uh you know take the goal line work and then his later touchdown came when the game was pretty much out of reach and, and most of his carries came later in the game as well i think if the games are closer which you know looking at the eagles schedule moving forward i think they're going to be i don't see jordan howard getting as much work as uh, boston scott and kenneth gainwell but kenneth gainwell obviously is already owned in a lot of leagues because of the sanders injury people probably picked him up last week he's available in about 32 percent of leagues but boston scott and jordan howard are both less than one percent owned And I think you could easily pick them up in that order. Boston Scott, Jordan Howard. And um, I think Boston Scott is a a viable option uh, as an RB2 or a flex option until Miles Sanders gets healthy.
1: Uh, Yeah, I agree. I I had a game on my bench. I just wasn't sure. And it's hard to tell with the Eagles what they're doing. But the rotations right now are going to be interesting and see how they go for the the next couple weeks until Sanders gets back. Small little tick on, a, on an injury this week. Now, I saw where they said that James Robinson is uh, going to be day-to-day with his heel injury. You know, they, they thought maybe at first it was something a little stronger, maybe an Achilles, something along those lines. But at the end of the day, thankfully, he seems okay. You're looking at a player of Carlos Hyde. He is, he's been factoring in a lot. Uh, I mean, there were a couple games there in a row where you did kind of see, you know, James Robinson... Finally, maybe taking back the backfield and and maybe Urban Meyer had, even though it's hard to believe Urban Meyer had come to his senses uh, when it it came to him. Now, again, a lot of Robinson's work tends to be because it's Jacksonville. His work was a lot of slop cleanup and and things of that nature, bulk garbage, knowing they were getting crushed. And and that's just been their way. You know, we had three weeks in a row there from three weeks, three to week five, where he had over 20 points a game. But you look back at the beginning of the year and everybody couldn't figure out what was going on. And he was almost sharing carries. I think Hyde beat him uh, in touches and carries the one game. And now you're back to that possibly happening again, especially if if the injury is a factor, they may not rush him back. They, you know, we'll see how that goes, but to see Carlos Hyde getting, getting as involved as as he has been throughout and, and he's still a pretty good running back. You're seeing you know again he had nine carries and then he also had six receptions out of the backfield that's where he really kind of gets his gets his thing going where again he can be a dual threat similar to robinson uh he he should be a guy especially if you're a james robinson owner uh again not saying you have to handcuff uh, you don't have to be a robinson owner to get him but the bad teams the jackson bills of the world are going to do a lot of that type of play where it's check downs and trying to catch up at the end and just going through the motions on offense so carlos Hyde, i, I think is maybe a player you want to look to pick up he's not quite owned in, in, in a ton of leagues right now but uh again i think people are going to look to him and just figure well he's going to take over the lead role and if he does for a week or two that's great you know we'll, we'll see how it goes but i would say carlos Hyde should be your radar
0: for fantasy football waiver pickups in week nine Uh, Another guy or another group of guys that you can look at, I guess, for uh, waiver pickups this week. And and these are these are desperation pickups only. Let me let me be clear about that. These are not guys that you should be picking up or starting in any way, uh, unless you have been really, you know, really been bitten by the injury bug. If you have James Robinson and Derrick Henry, or you know, whoever you're just you're really struggling at running back. But some guys that you can look at this week. Rex Burkhead, Scotty Phillips, and David Johnson from the Houston Texans—all three guys—sort of played into what the Texans did this week on offense. Uh, it wasn't pretty; it never is for the Texans, unfortunately. But they're getting carries, and and that's what's kind of most important in fantasy football. Burkhead led the Texans in touches and scored the only touchdown of the game. I don't really put a lot of stock into any of these guys, but if you're like I said, if you're really desperate, I would probably say david johnson would be my number one because of the fact Maybe. that he gets work. yeah because
1: of the fact that it's he like gets work. you had you had lindsay I had johnson we were looking at each other like well, come on man really this is new england now like
0: yes yeah that's basically what it seems like it's it's very um it's very new england-esque when it comes to to their running back position they're just kind of and and why wouldn't it be rex burkhead is there to to vulture touchdowns like you did in new england so it was his fault the whole time yeah yeah damian harris is <laughs> Is thriving now, go figure. But uh yeah, so I would say Johnson first, just due to the fact that he gets the pass catching work for the most part. Although Burkhead did have four targets in this game to David Johnson's one. So so who knows moving forward? You know, it's one of those things where, like I said, if you're desperate, pick up one of the three, throw them in your lineup, and I I guess basically hope that they get a touchdown. That's that's basically the way I'm I'm viewing the Texans backfield at this point.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's like, uh, you know, desperation. I think on a Sunday, when you're really just, you're, you're, you're just looking to see like, oh, well, how are the Texans doing? Yeah. I, I like that's That's pretty brutal. I mean, we saw Brandon cooks has been their guy all year, uh, that you can kind of ride. And, and the quarterback, I mean, again, with the garbage time numbers, Davis mills has been possibly serviceable at 25 to 30 clip here and there, but yeah, now that now, if you're, you know, you're really kind of scratching yourself, looking at the, the running back situation in Houston to get you through a week. Uh, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be tough. Any other running backs that you see out there, Pat?
0: Not really. No, I, I think, uh, I think if, if anything is lower than the the running backs in Houston, then we probably just shouldn't mention them at all. Want to go into one double A and see. <laughs> yeah, right. We're going to push through and we're going
1: to slide into the next group. Uh, you know, that, that, is pretty much been, been one of the bigger bigger wins for a lot of players uh, this year. I mean, you've seen the wide receiver position really kind of take off PPR or not um, as far as a little bit more importance where people used to feel it was a little deeper. Um, and you're going to go take a look at a team like the Arizona Cardinals we've talked about all year long with their uh, multiple talents on offense that they have. And, you know, you got a couple guys out there that, are really just focal points in the offense uh, right now. It seems like DeAndre Hopkins maybe nursing a little bit of an injury and kind of out there for some plays and, and decoy work, maybe so to speak, just to keep him safe and sound. Um, but you're going to look at you know Christian Kirk and AJ Green. Both of them have just been getting monster targets and big receptions. Now we did see AJ Green have like one of the bigger brain farts of his career. Um, against uh, against Green Bay, where he just didn't turn and look for a football, which usually you, you'd expect. Maybe he just didn't know the play. But that aside, uh, you see Zach Ertz sliding in there and, and a couple other players. Rondale Moore still viable, but they don't really, in, in Arizona, they don't run the ball a ton, but they don't really have to because of the way that kyler murray has been able to spread that football around again to see the level of of targets that these guys are getting but it's spread out it, it's almost like if you had both of them in your lineup at the same time that's where you maybe really excel uh or at least have them one and just hoping you get the the hot hand or the right matchup uh i think christian kirk and aj green if they're out there on the waiver wire uh they shouldn't be and they they won't be for long so you definitely want to get one or two of those guys Uh, And have them ready to go. You can use them maybe as trade bait if you're still available in your seasons. Uh, So Christian Kirk, AJ Green, any part of that Arizona Cardinals offense right now, you know, even after a a tough loss on Thursday night is definitely the way to go uh, for wide receivers.
0: Yeah, Arizona is definitely one of those teams that spreads the ball around even even two running backs that are fantasy relevant from time to time. So it, it's definitely hard to it's not the DeAndre Hopkins show the way that it used to be with them, which is good for Kyler Murray because he's, you know, becoming a more well-rounded quarterback looking at different players. But having any Arizona Cardinals player is as good as their offense is, is a, a smart move. Another guy who looked to to really step up uh, coming back from his injury this week was Devontae Parker for the Miami Dolphins. In the five games that Parker has played this year, he's averaging 8.6 targets a game, which is top 15 in the league. He's, he was only one target behind Waddle this week versus the Bills. and He actually led the team in receptions with eight and yards with 85. I think that Miami's Defense being as as poor as it is, is it's going to force them to continue to attempt a bunch of passes right now they're attempting almost 40 passes a game, which is fourth highest in the NFL and the other thing I like about Parker is the fact that he's a little bit bigger. Taller, weighs a little bit more than than Jalen Waddle, and that sort of leads to him being a, a little bit more of a red zone target, catching those those fades in the in the red zone and and things like that. I do like Waddle still. I, I do think that the Dolphins are are still going to be throwing the ball uh, a ton, and I think that uh, as long as Devonte Parker can stay healthy, I think that he's going to be in line for a pretty good second half of the season. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and if uh,
1: it's the quarterback from Houston heads that way, it could be even more interesting. Another uh, another player that's uh, starting to become a little stronger blip on the radar uh, from from Jacksonville. So take it with a grain of salt is uh, Jamal Agnew. He's been quietly shooting up the charts the last four weeks 25 targets, 17 receptions, red zone action. Had a a little bit of a a garbage time touchdown this past weekend, but three out of the last four weeks, double digits in points, uh, stronger than 10 or more. For some reason, it seems like he's been taken over in the slot and now they're moving Chenault to the outside. Um, Obviously, when DJ Shark went down, that just changed the entire offense around. And we know Marvin Jones is really kind of the the de facto number one down there he's been the the strongest advocate for for Trevor Lawrence's attention but um starting to see a little bit of his ability uh you know again when you're in the slot that means you're, you're a bit of a playmaker now Chennault being on the outside that maybe pushes that so it's unfortunate they have two guys that are both slot they maybe make a move I don't know but I, I don't see Jacksonville trying to trade anything right now they're still in a rebuild. But yeah, to see Agnew making these plays and and again, getting, like we said, your team might stink, whatever, but you're getting garbage time touchdowns. That's that's big. I mean, to the tune of 15 points and things of that nature. So uh, Jamal Agnew should be on your radar, possibly be a flex, possibly be a wide receiver too, depending on how hurting you are on bye weeks and and things of that nature, just looking at what kind of volume he's been getting. And again, you know, targets wise, right now in the last four weeks, he's matching Keenan Allen, CeeDee Lamb, Devonta Smith. Uh, He's got more, we just talked about Christian Kirk, DeAndre Hopkins. He's got more targets than they do. He even has more targets than Marvin Jones on his own team. So obviously he's becoming a little bit of a a guy, uh, for Jacksonville, which, you know, just like a Houston running back, maybe you take Jacksonville with a grain of salt again, but Jamal Agnew, uh, maybe throw him on your bench, see if he starts to blow up and and you might have to be forced to, you know, throw him in that starting lineup. You might be able to start him with, with a little bit of confidence, depending on the matchup.
0: Yeah. He's actually been second on the team in targets in the last three games. Second only to another guy we're going to talk about later on in the, uh, the tight end. So I'll save that for the tight end portion of it. But, uh. Yeah, he seems to be Trevor Lawrence's go-to guy. Uh, Another guy that we've talked about before, so I'm not really going to talk too much about this, but Rashad Bateman is still only rostered in about 20% of leagues, which means he's still available in 80% of leagues. This kid is a star in the making. I mean, he's got all the talent in the world. Uh, A lot of people thought that he may have even been more talented than Jamar Chase coming out of the draft. Obviously, he's been injured. He hasn't played a lot. Baltimore was on a bye last week. So we really haven't seen him. But with another week to get healthy, another week to work with Lamar Jackson. I, I if you don't pick up Rashad Bateman, you are going to be sorry in a few weeks. I'm I'm telling you now, I'm adding him on every roster that I can. And I'm just waiting for the blow up to happen so that I can start putting him in my starting lineup because he is he's 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 a solid NFL wide receiver, even as a rookie.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Coming off that injury, uh, shows some signs and and getting in, like you said, another bye week to get on the same page with Lamar. He definitely could be exciting. Uh, Another player just about ready to come back from injury. Looks like maybe about a week away. uh, And this would only make it more interesting in Dallas is Michael Gallup. Got a little banged up in week one and hasn't played since. Dallas has been moving along with all due respect, just fine without him. But at the end of the day, uh, for a team of that offensive firepower and again, Dallas, if their defense was a little more legit, they'd be right up there with the Tampa Bays and the the Rams and Green Bay and Arizona, because offensively, they are a a pretty tough team. Uh, And now if you were to add Michael Gallup back into that, who has been a a pretty solid player, we've seen him grow up in the last couple of years and become a a go-to wide receiver for him, obviously a little injured this year. To be able to put out Amari Cooper, who's playing back at Amari Cooper's level, CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, and Seth Wilson has been doing a pretty nice job filling in, but again, not maybe getting quite the looks and targets based on him being technically the fourth wide receiver on the team. Uh, Michael Gallup coming back soon. Maybe you want a piece of that Dallas offense. It might take him a week or two, so throw him on your bench to get uh, back up to game speed, but... He's going to be returning from IR yesterday, as a matter of fact. So that gives him that three-week window to pump him up to the active roster if he's healthy enough. Take a chance on Michael Gallup. And again, somebody else goes down in Dallas. Suddenly, he's number two, number one wide receiver. It would be good to be a part of that offense.
0: We had another sort of situation that we we didn't really talk about at the beginning of the podcast because I kind of knew we were going to get into this when we got to our wide receiver waiver wire pickups but big story in the nfl this week was calvin ridley Uh, he missed the second game for personal reasons we found out what those personal reasons were he basically tweeted out that he needs to step away from football for a little while and work on his mental health which i commend him for doing so it takes a lot of courage to be a superstar in the NFL and to say, Hey, I know that I need to back off and and take a minute for myself. It's hard for anybody to do, but it's especially hard for a guy like that when you have so many eyes on you. So I do commend him for doing that. Uh, You know, unfortunately for fantasy owners of Calvin Ridley, it kind of leaves us holding the bag and and not really knowing, you know, what to do moving forward here. If you're in a a standard redraft, you know, non-keeper, non-dynasty league, I don't want to say it's droppable. I mean, I guess you could put him on the IR and just leave him there if you have an IR spot, but it doesn't look like he's going to be back anytime soon. Probably not this year. Uh, With that being said, uh, a couple of guys that you can look at picking up and plugging into your wide receiver spots moving forward is Russell Gage and Tajay Sharp. Both guys are later round draft picks. I I want to say Gage was a sixth round and Sharp was a fifth round pick. Not, Not really... You know uh, guys who were drafted to sort of lead a receiving core but both of those guys have shown in the past that they have had flashes of playmaking ability and i think that right now atlanta needs playmakers and i think that sharp and russell gage or i should say sharp and russell gage could step in to that number one role and really make a name for themselves and and you know this is the type of opportunity that guys in the NFL look for to, you know, potentially move them forward towards a new contract, a bigger contract, making some some real money because I know neither of those guys are super high paid wide receivers in the NFL. This past week, Gage was still hurt. He played but didn't get any targets. It, it, you could definitely see watching the game that he, he didn't look like he was at full speed. But Tajay Sharp tied for the team lead with six targets. Led the team in receptions and yardage with five catches for 58 yards. And, you know, it wasn't a great showing for Atlanta. They played a pretty tough defense in Carolina, obviously being short Ridley and a hobbled gauge didn't help. I don't see Atlanta's offense being great moving forward, obviously without Ridley with Kyle Pitts finally, you know, starting to figure out the NFL. I think he's going to be a huge target. I think honestly, the biggest, Benefactor from Ridley leaving is going to be Kyle Pitts, but you're definitely going to see a lot more Cordero Patterson. He's already seen an uptick in snaps, targets, carries, and I think this this may even make Mike Davis more relevant again, just due to the fact that you know they're they're now down a significant skill player. So I think you could pick up Gage and Sharp. Uh, I think the bigger bump comes from the guys that you're probably already rostering. But if you're, if you're hurting at wide receiver and you, you're looking to take a shot, uh, both of these guys are very low owned in most leagues. Russell Gage is only about 14 and a half percent owned and Tajay Sharp is owned in less than 1% of the league. So you can go out and grab these guys, see if they turn into anything. And if they do, great. You have a starting wide receiver. If they don't, you know, you drop them and, and pick up somebody else. But I think they're at least both worth uh, a pickup this week if, if you have a roster spot.
1: Yeah. Uh, Before we go into tight ends and ironically, you know, again, you're, you're touching on two wide receivers. I'm seeing rumors that Hayden Hurst may be in the cards to be traded to the Green Bay Packers who are looking to fill the tight end position on their team. uh, Robert Tynan towards ACL. If that move happens, I, I don't know if Atlanta would do it unless they, they really got a solid draft pick because he was part of their offense there for a minute, but uh, I'm I'm wondering if Hurst stays, they just put him back to tight end and then Pitts almost becomes the uh, number one wide receiver for him. I mean, athletically, I think he can pull it off uh, and then have Gage, Sharp, uh, Zacchaeus was there. And, and again, there's some other names floating around. Uh, you know, maybe they pick up a, a John Brown or somebody that's out there to help fill the void. Yeah, it's definitely a, a murky situation, but the targets have to go somewhere. And, and like you said, too, Suddenly, maybe Mike Davis gets more involved. Maybe Corderell Patterson becomes a little bit more of a wide receiver than out of the backfield. Uh, It's going to be interesting. I think, you know, obviously uh, a lot of talent in Atlanta, uh, but to see who actually is the guy that, you know, picks up the bag for him uh, and and keeps it moving for Matty Ice and the Atlanta Falcons. Speaking of tight ends, like we said, we're going to move on. We're shoveling on to the tight end. One of the I mean, it's kind of like a little bit of a three headed monster, so to speak, that we're going to touch base on guys that we've talked about this year. So far, we're looking at these middle of the road starting to maybe ascend a little bit uh, tight ends, at least for two of them talking about Tyler Conklin from the Minnesota Vikings. We're also going to talk about Pat Fryermuth. Yes. Good old Patty Fry for Pittsburgh, Who? has become a little bit more, a uh, little stronger, uh, honestly, involved in that offense, especially with the injury to Juju. You know, they like to spread it around a lot. And and again, he's coming off a, a nice little game over the weekend, 44 yards and a touchdown, double digit points to two out of the last three. Only reason, by week in between. So you're starting to see a little bit of, of an extension from Pat Friermuth. And then finally, uh, we're talking about Dan Arnold, who made the move to the Carolina Panthers earlier this year. He was one of those players that, you know, has bounced around a little bit. And now you're starting to see him pick up some steam with the Carolina Panthers. That being said, but the Jaguars have, he came oh, from the Panthers. That's right, right. Yes. He was
0: losing steam with the Panthers. He's picking up steam. He's now, now yes, so he went, <laughs> yes.
1: Sorry. Cardinals, Panthers, Jaguars. So he went from bird to cat to cat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, he kind of hit lows than it. He's moving um, up to so Uching. <laughs> yes, really is. He's the alpha tight end right now. Um, but yeah, again, you know, it, it, that's maybe another case where the blowouts and, and the checkdowns and the safety valves tend to help. I mean, of the three, personally, and, and I don't know where you're at, Pat, but I mean, I would probably go Fryar, Strong one, Conklin, based on the the level of offense he's in two, and the. uh, the kitty cat there, uh, Danny Arnold, uh, against with the Jaguars. Uh, you know, again, he he could be a little more volatile, boom or bust, uh, depending on how that offense goes. What do you think?
0: I think Conklin and Firemuth are are a, a sort of a one a one b type situation. I, I really like the the offense in Minnesota a little bit more than I like Pittsburgh's offense. They seem to be very very run heavy. But Fryermuth is a a phenomenal athlete. And, and I, I think he's a much better athlete than Conklin. So I could definitely see him being the one A and Conklin being the one B. But yeah, Dan Arnold is more of a more of a safety valve type guy. I do think again, if you're if you're hurting a tight end, if you know you, you got say you got like George Kittle and he's been out for weeks and, and you're just looking to, to to sort of fill that position for for a little while, by weeks, whatever. I think any of these three would be viable options. It's just a matter of, you know, like it is with most of the tight ends in fantasy football. It's a matter of who catches the touchdown is, is going to be the, you know, who gets you your fantasy point. So, I mean, which offense do you like the better I'll, I'll take the Vikings then, then the Steelers and then the Jaguars. So yeah, I would, I would probably put them in that order, but all very close together. Gotcha. And if we're, if
1: we're touching on that second, to third tier of tight end, what do you think? Uh, he's had a couple strong weeks. What do you think about Mo Alley-Cox from the uh, Indianapolis Colts? I mean, I'm just taking a peek. Uh, and I know for some people, it looks like it, uh, NFL.com only 5% rostered. And again, he's not maybe a dominant guy, but last couple of weeks, he's put together 19, 8, 9, and 11, uh, a couple of those weeks with touchdowns in between. And I think maybe he's starting to get a little bit of a connection with Carson Wentz. Does he have uh,
0: playability or are you leaning more on a Jack Doyle? No, I I really I like Mo Ali Cox. I always have. I think the problem is <laughs> I just wanted you to say I like Cox. <laughs> <laughs> I think the problem is there's just too many there's too many mouths to feed in in yeah. Indianapolis, and that's the problem. Even even just looking at the tight end position, uh, Jack Doyle isn't the only other tight end getting targets. You see, uh, Kylan Granson getting targets here and there, which you know is great. That's fine, but I I just I don't think you can necessarily rely on any of those three at the tight end position. I would say Allie Cox is probably the most reliable if you really need somebody. But I mean, with only unless you're in one of those two tight end leagues or, or you know, one of these crazy, uh, you know, leagues where you're starting, you know, multiple flex positions or something like that, really deep leagues, 16 team leagues, I, I, prob- I probably wouldn't roster any of the three personally. All right. Well, I think that wraps up our waiver wires, unless you have any other, any tight ends to talk about. I know that how much you love the tight end position. Uh, No, no. At this time, I mean, again, like bi-week fill-ins. And I think, you know,
1: like you said, Conklin, Friar uh Dan Arnold, or maybe, uh, again, maybe you know, take a flyer on, on one of the guys from Indianapolis uh, on offense there. But uh, again, things could change after today. Trade deadlines uh, coming, four o'clock. So We'll maybe revisit next week but no i think we i think we hit on some some big names that are still available oh uh, one quick PS if anybody did dump uh Dawson Knox in your league uh looks like he's back to already day to day so that broken hand really isn't holding him up uh if somebody dropped him for you know again a waiver pickup or, or you know just needed some type of replacement and he's out there. Go get him. Again, he may not be 100 percent, but the output he was given earlier this year, I think he's definitely a guy to to make sure you have on your roster. Somebody might have dropped him just figuring out oh, he's out with a broken hand. He's on IR or something along those lines. So we'll see what happens. So let's get to our start sits. Um, I'm going to jump right in at quarterback and I'm going to be a little bit of a bandwagon guy. I, I, I know I talked about briefly, just maybe look at him for pickups in waivers. Uh, I'm going to take what, what the hell I'm going to start Mike white this week against the Indianapolis Colts. I kind of like that. again, the numbers that he just put up over the weekend. I, I don't think they're that fluky. I think maybe he's, you know, he maybe going to have a few up and down games filling in for, for Zach Wilson until he gets better. And I don't think the jets are in a hurry to rush Wilson back. So this might be Mike White's offense for a few weeks. Uh, you're, you're looking at an Indianapolis uh, defense. That's given up close to 20 points a game on average two quarterbacks. That being said, I just look at what he did over the weekend and he was averaging 8 yards per play. They had uh what was it? 6 for 11 on third down. They never reached fourth down. So they were moving the football at a pretty high clip. Uh they had 23. The Jets had 23 passing first downs. So they were running that through Mike White and he outside of getting knocked out of the game for a couple of minutes. He did OK. Cincinnati's defense is pretty good this year and, and trying to go toe to toe against that offense. And again, one of his turnovers led to a score uh, for Cincinnati. If you take that off the board, the game was over. It wasn't as close as it was. I'm going to take Mike White. It's a short week. Yeah, you're going to Indy, so you're on the road. Be interesting to see maybe how he responds. But what the heck? I'll start the kid. Put Mike White in your lineup this week. Uh, I, I think he's going to maybe maybe not 34, but I could see a 25 to 30 clip. They're going to just give him the keys and, and see what he can do. Hey, he might have another receiving touchdown as well. You never know. <laughs> he's he's multifaceted. He's he's your <laughs> new Taysom
0: Hill, but he can actually pass. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with Joe Burrow this week. Uh, I know he you know didn't have the the best game in the world uh, against the Jets, but going up against Cleveland, Cleveland's really strong against the run. They're the seventh worst team, however, versus quarterbacks. They've given up 17 passing touchdowns in only eight games this year, which is like tied for the third worst in the league. Burrow is actually the only quarterback in the league with two plus passing touchdowns in every game that he's played so far this year. So, the combination of the Browns giving up passing touchdowns, being tough against the run, and Burrow being so uh, touchdown proficient uh, in the offense just for me leads to a, a big game for Burrow, uh, a couple passing touchdowns, and his connection obviously with Jamar Chase is otherworldly. So pair them two together in, in a game where, you know, Cincinnati is going to thats a huge rivalry. It's, it's probably one of the biggest in the NFL. I think Burrow is going to show up and, and play the way he played against Pittsburgh and, and turn in a good performance against Cleveland.
1: All right. So you're going to start Burrow and I'm going to sit for this week. Um, I, I know we talked about him as a pickup. But, and again, maybe some people feel it was the, the coming out game. Uh, but I'm going to sit Justin Fields this week against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Again, they're they're. Tenth best uh, against the quarterback, and if you really look at at what they've done, obviously I, I know Justin Fields having the, I guess you could say the ability to to be dual threat, to be a maybe an efficient passer, and and then as well as with his legs make plays happen, like you said, uh, getting a go ahead score. You you got T.J. Watt on the other side of the ball, and and again you look at a lot of defenses that look to spy and neutralize the the other team's playmaker. You know, not that there's many traditional pocket passers, but I could see uh, that being a major factor, just having him in his face all day. He's getting paid to do that kind of thing, just be the disruptor. And again, if that's the case, they may have to lean a little bit on a heavier pass protection. I, To me, I feel like T.J. Watt's going to eat him up. I could be wrong, but uh, but I would sit Justin Fields this week against Pittsburgh. I'm sure he could find a a, a better option against maybe a weaker defense out there, like we just touched on with, the, with White and Barrow.
0: Yeah. And I think that's going to be a super low scoring game as well. So I, I like that call. I'm going to sit, uh, unfortunately, I'm going to sit Jalen hurts this week yeah. against the chargers. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's uh it's, it's unfortunate because I have hurts in so many leagues, but, um, the chargers have put a blueprint out there on how to beat them, which is, uh, run the ball, uh, against that small defense. The chargers have only allowed seven, excuse me, nine passing touchdowns in seven games, so far this year, they're third best in pass yards allowed per game, but they're 31st in rushing yards allowed per game. I think Philadelphia realized that they can run the ball this week against Detroit. And I think and hope that they're going to follow that same formula against the Chargers this week. The only way that this game, I think it's, it's kind of turned around for Philadelphia is if somehow the Chargers get out to a really big lead early. And that forces Philly to pass the ball, in which case I still don't love Hertz because of how good the Chargers passing defense is. But um, I think if if Philly's smart and if they they want to win this game, you know, I think they ran the ball 40 something times against the Lions on Sunday. They're gonna need to probably put in another 30 plus rushing attempt performance in order to beat the Chargers. So I'm going to sit Jalen Hurts this week. And I'm going to jump right into my starts because it kind of ties right in. And uh, I'm going to actually start Boston Scott against those Chargers. I think again, everything I just said, they're going to have to run the ball. I think Gainwell has a good game. I think Boston Scott has a good game, and I could even see Jordan Howard getting involved if they if they're planning on running the ball, you know, 40 plus times again. Uh, I could see Howard getting involved, but I really like Boston Scott this week to uh, help carry the Eagles to uh, what could be an upset. Uh, honestly, I I think they have the ability to do that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Part of that being, you know, and again, I'll I'll get to that on on the defensive side of the ball where, you know, Justin Herbert's looked a little more mortal sophomore season. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, Boston Scott, uh, I think solid. Um, I'm going to go this week. And and again, speaking of hot hands and things, Devontae Booker, uh, you know, a lot of people wave the white flag on the Giants after all the injuries and, and, I mean, look, if you look at what the guy's done over the last couple of weeks, 20, 10, 14, 17, he's getting high. I mean, he's been almost their entire offense at times when it comes to the Saquon Barkley role. Now, he's not Saquon Barkley, but he was always a decent running back. He, he showed flashes with uh, the Denver Broncos and seemed like because they just kind of went with the committee approach, he never quite got his own backfield and was in Vegas for a minute. That didn't quite go um, but now he's really just being handed the ball. You look at last night, he had 60 receiving, 60 or 65 receiving, 60 rushing. Um, He's able to balance it out and he's doing a lot of it without tr- uh, truly getting touchdowns. I mean, uh, over the course of the last four weeks, he had uh, the big game against Dallas, if you want to call it that. Uh, he had two touchdowns. He had one last week, but a lot of this is happening just on the ground and a lot of PPR with receptions. Uh, I like Devontae Booker against the, the Las Vegas Raiders, a uh, little revenge game for him too, uh, with the heavy usage. You know, again, he's coming into his own, uh, and and again, he's averaging over. You know, he's basically over sixty points in his last four games, uh, so you can break that down to almost a fifteen per game clip. Uh, I like Devonte Booker this week against the the Raiders.
0: All right, why don't you jump right into your sit as well, that so we don't get anything. I am well. I. I Again, with
1: the heel, I I mean, in here in day-to-day, but but you could go either with him or Hyde. But I'll say James Robinson, but again, it could be uh, Carlos Hyde. Solid sit. Going against Buffalo, you have no shot against that defense. I mean, garbage time, yeah, you might get the the rogue touchdown, but you're you're not getting anything beyond maybe 10 to 12 points, and that's being generous. Uh, If Robinson plays too, he may be a little limited, so they may not even get him as involved this strikes me as being buffalo up big and trevor lawrence throwing maybe 70 times trying to get that ball out to the Agnews and different guys that we talked about so sit any running back i would say james robinson could be carlos Hyde uh against buffalo the no shot for the jacksonville backfield this week
0: and i'm going to sit mike davis this week against new orleans the saints are the second best team versus the running back in fantasy not only is new orleans very good versus opposing running backs, but Davis is each week has been losing a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more to Cordero Patterson. And it's now pretty much an even 50-50 split. I mean Patterson had the same amount of carries. Uh I think he had the same amount of catches uh this week and and neither of those guys did particularly well. Patterson had the touchdown, but Davis just hasn't really produced for fantasy. And also now with Winston out of the game and probably Taysom Hill in for the Saints, I think that that's going to sort of lend that Saints offense to run the ball more, which eats up more clock, which slows the game down, which gives teams less plays. And I don't think that there's this is going to be one of the slower paced games slower pace in terms of plays run per team and obviously if there's less plays there's less opportunity so i, I really don't like mike davis this week versus the saints
1: heard that yeah uh, I, I might be a little more passionate about there uh speaking of passing getting into wide receivers uh let's go to my start of the week uh again i think a solid wide receiver too but Looking at uh, an old name from the past, again, and I did go with him last week. I'm going to go with him again this week. I like Jarvis Landry. I look at the Cleveland offense, and obviously it's built around the running game. Uh, There's some trade rumor, whispers, but probably not happening with Odell Beckham Jr. And the tight ends get involved a little bit. But the games that he's been in this year, uh, Jarvis Landry was the team leader in targets. The last couple of weeks, he's really just kind of been the only guy. He's averaging about 12.7 points a game, so call it 13. Give him a touchdown in there. Suddenly, he pumps you into closer to 20. He's underneath. He's just a high volume. Again, we talked of comparison like a Jameson Crowder type of player. Getting back to his old self, he was hurt for a couple of weeks. But I like Jarvis Landry again this week. I think wide receiver, too. Definitely a solid flex. Uh, unless you have a better option out there going against Cincinnati, who's uh, we saw last week can definitely give up some points to wide receivers and maybe they're reeling a little bit. So, again, another Jarvis Landry
0: start for me. I'll, I'll try to ride him for a little bit longer this year. Uh, who
1: you start, Pat?
0: I am going to go with a guy that you're probably starting anyway, but based off of, uh, you know, some recent performances, you, you may have some some trepidation putting in your lineup. I'm going to start Brandon Cooks this week versus Miami. Miami is the second worst team to the wide receiver position. They allow almost 40 pass attempts per game, which is the fifth most in the league and two plus touchdowns per game, which is the third worst in the league. Looks like there's a possibility that Tyrod Taylor could be coming back this week, that Tyrod Taylor is, you know, that much better than Davis Mills. But I do think that, When Taylor gets back, that is a a little bit of an upgrade for Cooks. Brandon Cooks averages 8.8 targets per game. He has a total of 70 targets on the year so far. The next closest player on the Houston Texans team has 25. I was amazed when I saw that when I was looking up stats for this start set. I was like, wow, he literally has 45 more targets than the next closest player on his own team. So... Yeah, I think you can start Brandon Cooks with confidence in a game where I actually think the Texans have a shot at winning this game. And uh, in order to do so, they're going to need to pass the ball and Miami doesn't stop to pass very well. So I think you could start Cooks and and I think he's actually going to be in store for not just a a decent game, but a, a very big game this week.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. He's the he's their whole offense right now going to look to my sit. Uh, we just touched base a little bit with uh, the Chargers and, and Hurts uh, sticking around that game. Going to sit Keenan Allen this week. I know some people are thinking, what? How are you going to do that? Well, Philadelphia's number three against uh, wide receivers. Mike Williams, he had a little hiccup with an injury and he hasn't seemed like he's been quite the same. Mike Williams had started the year off and everybody was finally figuring he, he broke out. Keenan Allen's been one of the top wide receivers for the last few years. He's one of the top in targets. He's the guy that you're going to want to shut down on that offense. He's the guy that Darius Slay is going to cover in that offense. And I see him being uh, just totally blanketed. Uh, Again, he's not a speed guy. He's an underneath guy. So I could see Slay locking in and and just being all over Keenan Allen, trying to throw off any rhythm that Justin Herbert has. Eckler is probably going to be the better play out of that backfield, you know, matching up. And I, I even see maybe Maybe a Jared Cook against the Eagles linebackers, who again they cannot stop the tight end. So that would, might be a way to go. Um, sitting Keenan Allen this week because he really hasn't been killing it this year. But again, I, if you put him in as a you know wide receiver two or or a flex, I think he has the potential to be uh, single digits this week against uh, Darius Slay and the Philadelphia Eagles.
0: It's bold. I like it. I'm going to sit uh, Marvin Jones Jr. versus Buffalo. You talked a little bit earlier about Robinson and or Hyde. Uh, Buffalo is just, I mean, across the board, it's just the best defense in the league. They put you in a position where they score a ton of points and then now you have to throw the ball, but their pass defense is so good and their pass rush is so good that they just end up getting sacks and turnovers and it's it's just one of these this conundrums that you you want to try to run the ball against them to keep the ball out of the offense's hand but you just can't like they score too much so i know that buffalo has only given up five passing touchdowns in seven games which is by far the best in the league And just over, just under 1,300 passing yards, which is also best in the league by, by over a hundred yards. So I I don't really see, like you said, I don't really see Jacksonville offense moving the ball much period, obviously not on the ground or through the air. So I would just, I would bench any of my Jacksonville Jaguars that I had uh, this week against Buffalo. Absolutely.
1: Uh, Moving on to tight end. Uh, I'm starting Kyle Pitts. Uh, I mean, I, I don't, You know, we touched on it earlier, just talking about Gage, Sharp, uh, some of these names that are out there, and they don't do a lot for me. Uh, They don't do a lot for anybody. Again, you're going to go up against the New Orleans Saints this week. Um, I I get it. You know, it's going to be – the thing with me, it's going to be a division game, so it's going to have a little more more weight to it right now. And and seeing how Kyle Pitts can be and has been used in an offense – I think the Calvin Ridley thing kind of snuck up on them this past weekend where they weren't maybe expecting things to be that way. Or, and again, you know, it's a little bit of a, a kick in the gut to the locker room, not in a sense of, not, not, in a, not in a bad way, but, you know, where they want to be there for their teammate and it puts a lot on their minds as players and things like that. But again, going into this game, uh, I think Kyle Pitts is probably going to get like 15 targets, which, you know, even if he catches half of them, uh, you know, granted, New Orleans is probably going to look to key on them, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Kyle Pitts have a top five, top six fantasy week for tight end. Uh, again, he may not get out a lot of his usage at the tight end position. They may move him around the field. But uh, definitely, uh, to me, I think it's just Kyle Pitts just based on the volume and, and, and a tough division matchup against New Orleans. But uh, I see him maybe being a, a little bit of a, a, a top fiver uh, based on that volume this
0: week. How about you, Pat? So I'm going to go back to, I know I hate, I hate touching on these, these same games over and over again. And I especially hate touching on Eagles games over and over again, because I feel like they're homer picks, but (laughs) I did say to sit Jalen Hurts. So, you know, it's not a complete homer. I'm not saying the Eagles are going to go out there and and kill the Chargers this week, but uh, I do like Dallas Goddard this week. I think that since Ertz was traded, I mean, obviously it's only been one game, but Goddard had seven of the 16 targets that went around for the team that's you know basically almost 50% of all of the targets again i think the the formula for the eagles is obviously to run the ball they are going to have to pass the ball you know from time to time third down you know long situations where they get themselves in trouble with penalties which we know they always do um so they are going to have to throw the ball the chargers corners are just so good i really see dallas goddard being sort of the go to guy when it comes to uh, moving the chains, uh, during those passing situations where, uh, the Eagles are forced to throw the ball. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I agree with that. I just talked about a pickup, uh, but for those of you that are, that are maybe looking to, to ride a little bit of his ability, uh, definitely you don't want any parts of Pat Fryermuth this week against the Chicago bears. They're number two against the tight end, touched on this game for a few seconds there. Uh, They're only giving up the Bears, are only giving up uh, roughly about 3.6, maybe rounded up to four points a game against the tight end. Uh, They have a pretty good pass rush. So the tight end spends a lot of time in the pass protection. They have good linebackers that can cover man-to-man as far as that defense goes. And again, Refriermuth seems like he's become like a strong third option sometimes in the passing game uh, or the guy they forget about. Bears aren't going to forget about him. Uh, you're going to want to forget about Pat Fryermuth this week. Uh, you know, you can definitely find a better option like a Tyler Conklin or a Dan Arnold of the Jacksonville Jaguars. But again, we just talked about how bad the Jaguars are going to have it. So maybe you go Ty Conklin and Ty Conklin are bust this week. But yeah, Pat Fryermuth, stay away. No good.
0: Yes, another tight end with a tough matchup this week is Dalton Schultz. Um, versus Denver, and he's going to be my sit for the week. Denver's the third best team against the tight end. They're actually good against all positions. Uh, they're they're top twelve versus quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end. But they they give up a little bit more to the running back. They're they're only seventh best uh, against the running back and twelfth best against the wide receiver. So um, it seems like the the way to beat Denver is on the outside. Um, Dak Prescott should be back, but I really don't see the Dallas offense, uh, even being very pass heavy this week, Denver's offense has not been great. Dallas's defense has actually been pretty good. And I can sort of see this being one of those games where Dallas gets up by a few touchdowns and Zeke and Tony Pollard get a lot of work in this game. And, um, you know, obviously with the talent they have on the outside with CD lamb and Amari Cooper and then like you said earlier, even Cedric Wilson, you know, coming through with some big catches, Dalton Schultz is, is a guy who, you know, to be the fifth or sixth option on a team just doesn't give me a whole lot of confidence. So if I can avoid it, I'm going to sit Dalton Schultz this week and look for a better option elsewhere.
1: Sounds smart. We're gonna go with our defensive picks of the week. I am gonna ride the Carolina Panthers uh defense this week. Uh, I think they're a solid pickup. Going against New England, again, you're looking at a a team that's been pretty decent on on defense. They're really one of the top five when it comes to just overall giving up yardage and first downs and points, getting involved in the turnover battle and and things of that nature. To me, I would totally – I I would just totally take them. I I mean, you see Stephon Gilmore coming in in his first game, making a big play at the end, uh, getting his pick. Uh, and showing why they made the the trade. I mean, and when you look at the fact that they added him, you uh, added C.J. Henderson as well in the same season to already decent backfield, uh, defensive backfield, getting a little bit of pressure up front, things like that. Mac Jones, uh, who's had a decent little year, decent little year for for everybody out there. Again, he's not a, a world beater yet. But I where normally uh, Belichick gives the young quarterbacks a little bit of trouble, and I think it's going to be a, a very low-scoring type of an affair, uh, but I would take Carolina Panthers against that New England offense uh, any day of the week, and, and I'm going to take them this week.
0: Yeah, definitely see a low-scoring game there i am going to stay in the same division for my defensive start of the week and i'm going to take the new orleans saints versus atlanta we talked about this game already a little bit with the mike davis and the kyle pitts and all that but uh just to throw some some quick defensive stats out there atlanta is the seventh worst team giving up points to the to the dst uh in fantasy football they obviously just lost ridley for you know what seems like it's going to be at least the rest of the season the Saints are the fourth best defense versus the running back and tight end positions, which just so happens to be Atlanta's two strongest spots. So it's strength on strength. Uh, you know, it, it's possible that Atlanta could, you know, surprise us and, and put some points on the board against the Saints, but I don't see that happening. I, you know, the, the Saints obviously just did a really good job against Tom Brady and the Bucks this past week, winning that game on the back of their defense. And I think that moving forward for the rest of the season, honestly, I think the Saints are going to have to lean on that defense. So I'm going to start them this week. Easy start against the Atlanta Falcons. Yes,
1: sir. Uh, and as far as who to stay away from defensively, I really think that this is going to be the the first week where you just start to maybe temper expectations with the Denver Broncos. Von Miller, uh, we, we touched on, was just, uh, just sent to the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, he's been the, the cornerstone of that defense for quite a long time, uh, and for that vacuum to enter the locker room defensively, specifically for the Denver Broncos, uh, is one huge, huge shoe to fill, which uh, you know I, I don't see that anybody may be stepping right up to to be the guy that, that Von Miller was uh, for the Denver Broncos. You're going against the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas this week. That's a pretty big kick in the pants. And, and just looking back where, you know, they've had a lot of success this year, they've played the Giants, the Jaguars, the Jets, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, the Raiders, and Cleveland. And then they just played Washington this past week. This is one of the real high-powered offenses that they're really going get, to get involved with. Um, you know, again, you look back at some of these teams that have had decent offenses, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, even Vegas, Uh, And they've been pretty low scoring. Cleveland, we watched that Thursday night game. Uh, I think Dallas is going to shred them all over the field um, and just really take it to them. They're going to be looking for some leadership. Uh, Maybe somebody steps up, makes a play or two for them. But uh, sit Denver this week. That's going to be a very tough road in Dallas against that offense.
0: Yeah, I actually had Denver as my sit as well this week. And then and then when you sent me yours and saw that we had the same one, I, I switched over. So I really like the Broncos this week as well. Uh, I'm going to say to sit the Baltimore Ravens this week versus Minnesota, you know, the Ravens we've all kind of grew up with, you know, the Ray Lewis and Ed Reed, Baltimore Ravens and, and Terrell Suggs and then everybody's, you know, I was actually at a, a friend's fantasy draft this preseason. And one of the guys drafted the Ravens defense, pretty early. I want to say like, like the eighth or ninth round. And he he caught some flack for it. And, you know, he was like, Oh, you know, one of the best defenses in the league every year. And and honestly, they're not um, anymore. It's just, they're not the same defense that they used to be. I think John Harbaugh is a good enough coach to realize that offenses uh, you know, he's, he's spent a lot of his draft picks on offense on the offensive side of the ball and uh you know defense is sort of it's it's so hard to play defense in the nfl now anyway but uh you know i I think baltimore is one of those teams that is looking to outscore you now not necessarily looking to to stop you so uh, minnesota is the sixth best against the defense special teams uh, in fantasy they're tied for the second fewest turnovers in the league they only have five, two interceptions and three fumbles all season. And the Ravens have only four, seven. So I just don't see this being a game where the, the Ravens, you know, have an opportunity to score on defense, you know, to get turnovers, which we know generate fantasy points. They they also only have 15 sacks, which is bottom 10 in the league, which again, we're not used to seeing from the Ravens, but that's the reality this year. I think that the, the Vikings have enough, offensive weapons to put points on the board. And, you know, like I just mentioned, obviously they don't turn the ball over. So uh, I would not want to start the Ravens defense versus Minnesota this week, even though the Ravens are at home. uh, And I believe they are favored by uh, a point or two in this game. I think this is going to be one of those offensive shootout type games. And and I I don't want either defense, honestly. Nope.
1: And a lot of purple going on too. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Who am I rooting for? Which, which, which guy? Uh, definitely Now, Well, Pat, uh, uh, week nine to look forward to, a uh, lot of great calls here, uh, a lot of deep dives and, and research to get some names and, and you know, hopefully guys that are good in there and, and help you, uh, this week. Uh, again, you're looking at Detroit, you're looking at Seattle, Tampa Bay, and the Washington football team on buys. So you may need to plug in some replacements at quarterback, maybe at tight end. Uh, again, some of these names might be out there to get you through a week. Uh, if you don't already have that person on your bench, uh, a lot of injuries that just played in. We just talked about the Derrick Henry injury that, that has a major, major effect and, and ripples throughout the fantasy football community. Um, Calvin Ridley, taking a step back uh, at which, which just really kind of kind of makes you look at the Atlanta offense at, 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 with a different light. And you have a trade deadline coming up in about three hours, a little less than three hours. So we'll see if any other names jump ship i am good for this week i am hoping to win all my leagues
0: pat thanks again what do you got no i was just going to say i think that you know like you said when when it comes to you know the derrick henry injury i actually had a, a friend of mine in a league that i'm in who he's actually i believe he's seven and oh after this or eight zero after this week and uh he, he sent me a text and said well i guess my season is officially over because you know, I referring to the Derrick Henry injury and I'm thinking, dude, you're, you're eight and zero, and your team is stacked. Like you probably don't need Derrick Henry, but that's the way a lot of fantasy managers feel right now, especially if you were riding that Henry train, but uh, you know, hopefully what we do here, giving you some, some guys that you can pick up some, some replacements. I mean, obviously you're not going to replace the kind of production that you were getting from Derrick Henry on the waiver wire, but you know, you do the best with, what you're given. And, you know, that's what good fantasy managers do. I mean, sometimes, you know, it's tough and you get, and you get the the short end of the stick and a lot of your guys get hurt and, you know, there's, there's nothing you can do about that, but you can't let one injury derail your entire season. If your team is good, you move forward, you pick up guys off of the waiver wire and you pay attention to matchups and you do the best you can to, to keep winning. And and keep pushing towards the playoffs. And hopefully that's what we're able to help you guys do. And um, we appreciate all of you that listen. Uh, Again, you can follow us on social media if you have any questions. We are at the9route1 and at Scott from Delco. You can also email us at the 9 FFB at gmail.com with any of your start or sit questions or any questions in general we are always uh, available to to answer questions as far as you know who should i pick up who should i drop uh things like that so again we thank you guys for listening we'll talk to you again next week peace